morning, guys. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Just to reintroduce myself, my name is Liz. I'm part of the staff and I'm on the leadership team. And in this current season, I have the joy of encouraging and leading our amazing team of uh, musicians who lead our worship week on week. And like Sean says, we are continuing our series of community, what it means to be a community of the Spirit. We're looking at different ways the Spirit works amongst his people. And this week we're talking about worship, which is why I am speaking to you. And I'm very aware, I'm sure you are, that Paul talks in Romans about our whole lives being living sacrifices, that that we are to worship with everything that we do and say and how we live and what we give, that our whole bodies are to be living sacrifices. But this morning, I want to specifically talk about what it looks like to be a community of the Spirit who worship when we gather together as God's people. When we come together on a Sunday, when we gather in small groups, what does Spirit-filled worship look like in that context? So that's kind of where I'm going to be going. Yes, our whole lives are to be acts of worship. But what does it look like when the gathered body of God's people come together? What should a worshipping community look like? What should we expect when we come on a Sunday? And what a brilliant Sunday to be speaking on the back of what we've just experienced this morning, how we've seen and enjoyed God. So I want to start this morning by taking you to Psalm 73, or telling you about Psalm 73. You can look it up if you want to, but I'm just going to skim through. So Psalm 73 in the Old Testament is written by a guy called Asaph, and he's the worship leader of the temple in Jerusalem. And the first half of this psalm is all about him bemoaning what's going on around him. Like, evil just seems to pervade violence, unkindness. Why is God allowing such evil all around? And he really bemoans, like, why, why are people getting away with things, God? And then he goes into the sanctuary, it says, verse 17. He goes into the sanctuary. He goes into the temple, the dwelling place of God, where God's presence would have been. God's presence resided in the temple. And in the sanctuary, in the dwelling place of God, he encounters God. He sees God lifted up high, and he is changed. His attitude suddenly is changed. And if you read the second half of that psalm, he suddenly sees with spiritual eyes what is going on around him. He sees the reality of life. And he says, no, I want to keep serving God. So that's the Old Testament. And then we can move to John 4. Let's jump there. A familiar passage to many of us. It's Jesus and the woman at the well. So Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at the well. They get talking. And over time, the Samaritan woman begins to understand that Jesus is a prophet. He's a man of God. And he, she starts asking him, so where do we go to meet God? Where do we go to worship him? Is it Jerusalem? Or is it the mountain where my people, where the Samaritans thought you met, went to meet God? A familiar passage to many of us. And Jesus turns to her and says to this simple woman, 
probably one of the most radical things that he ever said that would change the perspective totally of how God and men would meet. And he says this, John 4, 23, or come up. The hour is coming and is now here. Jesus consistently used this term hour to refer to his death and resurrection. He says this, the hour is coming and is now here when the worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So she wants to know, where do I go? Where's the place that I go to? And Jesus says, no longer will people need to go to worship God in a physical place. Because true worship now, the worship that the Father is seeking, is in spirit and truth. Jesus was saying, there's a new age coming where the physical temple, where people had gone to, would be replaced. Worship wouldn't be confined to a place. Location now didn't matter. The physical temple was made obsolete. And for you and I, we might be really quite familiar with with this, but for many right across the world, this is still a reality. People feel that they have to go to a holy place or touch holy things in order to encounter God. I've got a friend who's just come back from a holiday in Israel, and I was struck by how she said the number of times they went to places and people would be crying and kissing the ground and touching and bowing down in places or touching holy objects in the hope that somehow by touching something in a place where Jesus might have been, that they would receive salvation. But Jesus, in this interaction with the Samaritan woman, declares that the need to go to a physical temple has gone. The need to go to Jerusalem has been replaced because the temple wasn't a place anymore. The temple was a person. The presence of God was now not confined to a building The presence of God was on the streets and he was touchable and was touching people. God no longer resided in a tent or a building, but he had become a person, the person of Jesus. He was walking the streets with his people. But upon his death and resurrection and then subsequent ascension, the temple of God became the church, his people. We are the temple of God. We are the new dwelling place of God with man. Peter talks about us being living stones, a holy temple being built together. This is where God resides now. Because the Spirit of God is in us, this is the new holy temple of God. This is where we meet God. Isn't that utterly incredible that as we come together, we can have an expectation of meeting God. We don't need to go to a specific place. We are the temple of God where God's presence is felt and known. And Jesus says that we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. Note that Jesus says spirit and truth. I don't know about you, but I've heard people say things like, 
or their worship is very spirit-filled, or they sing very truth-based worship. But actually, Jesus says, you can't do one without the other. You worship in spirit and truth. Actually, the spirit is all the time leading us to exalt the truth. John 16, 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the Spirit is always causing us to elevate the truth, to lift high the truth, to point to the truth. And who is the truth? Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The Spirit's always causing us to lift the truth up. We lift you higher, higher, God and God alone. That's what we sang this morning. But as we lift the truth up, lift Jesus, the Spirit comes and applies truth to our life. That is what the Spirit is doing as we gather together. The work of the Spirit brings about change. He brings transformation. He makes real what is true to us in our lives. Again, Jesus said this, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. So actually, as we lift the truth high, as we declare who God is, he applies that truth to our lives. He sanctifies us. Sanctifies means to change. We are change. So worship in spirit and truth is to be central to us as a spirit-filled community. It is central to us as a spirit-filled community. It plays such a vital role for us as we gather We come to worship the truth, aided by the Spirit, and as we lift up the truth, the Spirit applies it to our lives. And so what I want to do is just very quickly ping through six different ways that the Spirit applies and works in us through two lenses, one of elevation and one of encounter, because the Spirit causes us to elevate truth. And the Spirit then helps us to encounter truth. So under the heading of elevation, that's what we come to do when we come together. We have elevated God this morning, haven't we, in our hearts and lives. And it's the most immense privilege to be part of the people of God, isn't it? To come into his presence together. And we come first and foremost to exalt him, to declare his glory, his power, his might, his worth, his otherness, his kingdom rule, his sovereignty. And as we do that, we're giving him praise and thanksgiving. So the first thing I just want to highlight is when we come together, we are a people who bring praise and thanksgiving. The Bible says we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That's a posture of our hearts. That's what the posture was to be when people entered into the temple. How much more so because of Jesus should we come with postures of praise and thanksgiving? You know, God's people are to be a praise, a people of praise and thanksgiving. Think of Mary when she was told she was pregnant with Jesus. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She comes with praise 
The Spirit as God has come upon her. She brings praise and thanksgiving. The psalmist constantly, praise the Lord. Praise him, all you peoples. Praise him, all you nations. Praise, you, praise him, you who serve the Lord. Praise him from the skies. Praise the Lord forever. Praise you, all the people of the earth. And Paul in the New Testament again says, we're to address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, bringing thanks, giving thanks to God for everything and all ways. And the truth is, the more that we praise and thank God, the more he's elevated in our hearts. It's true, isn't it? The more we call out the goodness of God, the more he's elevated. That's why we need to be in places like this, so that we can come up with 10,000 reasons. That's a lot of reasons. But we're too quick sometimes just to go, God, thank you for my home. What about, thank you for my washing machine? Thank you that I've got water out the tap. Thank you that I had a shower this morning. Thank you I've got toothpaste to to have. Thank you that I've got a bed to sleep in. Thank you, God, that uh, we've got a toilet to use. Praise God for toilets. (laughs) There's so many things. And just this week, I was reading something that just said, the more we call out the individual kindnesses and mercies, the more our hearts grow in gratitude of praise and thanksgiving. I thought that's such a wise piece of advice, isn't it? Call out the little things in your life. It stirs uh, praise and thanksgiving to God. You know, we're called to thank him for his goodness and his faithfulness, for his word, for his mercy, for his physical provision, for creation, for his power, for Jesus, for victory over sin, for one another. And we're called to do it with our whole hearts to the whole world, and in every circumstance. Praise and thanksgiving elevates God to his rightful place in our hearts. And we're called to sing songs of freedom. That's what, one of the things we want to do when we gather together is sing songs of freedom. We want to elevate God through singing of the freedom that he has purchased for us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. We're a free people. We come to sing of the liberty that Christ has purchased for us. You know, when the Israelites were freed from bondage to the Egyptians, they came out. One of the first things that Moses did was sing, the horse and the rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my salvation. We're a people of freedom, of liberty. We need to be those that sing What joy it stirs in us. We can sing of our freedom from slavery to sin, from captivity, from guilt and condemnation, freedom from the law, freedom from power of sin, free to being sons of God. We've been set free and we elevate God as we come together and sing of his freedom. You know, singing of freedom isn't just about dancing in a great band. That can help. But it's about declaring and rejoicing in the truth. We were once far off. We've been brought near. We were once enemies. Now we're friends. 
We're friends of God. We were once slaves, and now we were a family. We were once enslaved to the dominion of darkness. Now we belong to the kingdom of the beloved son. Friends, we have a lot to sing about in terms of freedom. And spirit-filled worship as a community leads us to singing about the freedom of what Christ has purchased for us because it elevates Jesus' work so good. I mean, Toppy started with us this morning just talking about the freedom that has been purchased for us. We're the people of God that sing of that freedom. The third way we can elevate God through singing is through songs of faith. And I would talk about creedal faith. We did this again this morning. One church, one faith, one name that saves. That's creedal faith. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection. He will rise again. Oh, I believe in Jesus. And as we come together... We are the people of God who want to declare together to one another, this is what we believe. Let's elevate Jesus through it, which is why week on week, you probably notice our worship leaders work hard at making the couple of first songs all about creed or faith, declaration. And I'll tell you why we do it. It's because most of us don't come to church with the joy of the Lord flowing out of our mouths as soon as we walk into this space. You know, you're thinking about the argument that you had with your spouse and your kids who've moaned all the way to church. You woke up this morning thinking that decision you've got to make for work, or have I got enough money for this week? You're thinking about, did I put the oven on? And is our dinner going to cook through the meeting? Those are the realities, aren't they? So when the worship team lead us, we want to see Jesus lifted high. He is higher. These are declarations of faith. That's why we do it week on week. We need to elevate God in our own lives. Otherwise, we become the center, and he needs to be the center of our worlds. So three ways we elevate God, through praise and thanksgiving, through singing songs of freedom, and through singing songs of faith. You know, it says of David that when he was uh, exhausted, he strengthened himself in the Lord. That's what we do when we come together in praise, in singing songs of freedom and faith. We're uh, strengthening ourselves in God. So the Spirit uh, helps us to elevate God, to lift him high. But it's often as we elevate God that we encounter him. Wasn't it interesting this morning that we had songs of elevation and then straight on the back of that were prophetic words about how God sees you. He wants to encounter you. He knows you. He knows where you are at. And that's what the Spirit is all the time doing. We elevate God and he encounters us. And I often think about when we encounter God, it's often through like a single line in a song, isn't it? Suddenly, it's like an arrow pierces your bubble of fear. It's like something comes straight at you and you see with fresh perspective. So we come, we elevate God, but he comes and encounters us. And I don't think that we can encounter God and not be changed. Because he is holy, holy, holy. He has a weight to him that when we touch him as fragile creatures, we are changed. 
Just like if you throw a brick into a bucket of water, there's a displacement. When the holiness of God touches us, when we encounter him in worship, we have to change. And often what he does in us is change us in ways that are so beautiful. Often in worship, it's in the place of declaring truth that things change. Decisions are made, aren't they, in the middle of worship. Spiritual battles are won. Faith is stirred in the middle of worship. Revelation comes. As the church sings, as we hear one another, things are changed in a moment because God has touched us. He has applied truth. The Spirit has applied truth to our hearts and minds, to our situations and our battles. And he does it in many ways, but three things I just want to pull out. The first one, he's The Spirit so often in this setting brings comfort and strength to his people. As we sing about our trust in God, about his greatness and power, the Spirit brings comfort and strength. Worship is often a defiant declaration of God's authority in the midst of of desperate circumstances. I want to say that again. Worship is often a defiant declaration of God's authority in in difficult circumstances. Worship is often a defiant declaration of God's authority in difficult circumstances. We're going to stand in the middle of the storm. It is well with my soul. That song was written by a guy in the 1800s who's lost his four children in a shipwreck. And as he went out on a ship to meet his wife, who'd survived the shipwreck, over the place where the ship went down, the captain told him, he wrote, when when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I have watched many friends grieving, singing, you give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, God, blessed be your name. God gives comfort as we worship. We are a people who minister to one another. The Spirit ministers to us. I spoke to someone just a couple of weeks ago who in the midst of worship, just listening to people around her singing, something changed in her heart from anxiety to total trust. She said she totally changed in that moment and came out a different person because of what she'd heard just around her people singing. God does that. He encounters us when we're worshiping. He brings comfort and strength. Be encouraged, friends. Often, as well as we sing, the Spirit gives us courage. He stirs faith. Our God saves. Our God saves. Every time we sing that, I'm like, yes, God, you do. There's a world out there that needs you, and yes, you can save. What about you came to set the captives free? Yes, boy, do I need to to hear that. When I hear of people struggling, yes, God, you can do it. Who remembers the song, Be Bold, Be Strong, for the Lord your God is with you? I mean, I cringe at it as a song. 
But it was courageous faith. It was, let's go to the nations. God is with us. We need more songs like that, that our God is victorious, that it stirs us to step out, to go out and give spirit, the spirit room to move amongst us. We need those truths. You know, Abraham grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. We are the people of God. As we give glory to him, we can grow strong in our courage to go and do great exploits. Because personal battles that require courage are often won in worship. Corporate battles that require courage are often won in worship. Kingdom battles that require courage are often won in the place of worship as we gather together as God's people. And finally, my final word along the theme of encountering God, how the Spirit encounters us, is often when we bring our devotion, our adoration to Jesus. When we lavish that upon him. Why do we encounter him in those moments? Well, because adoration is excessive, isn't it? You think of the woman who broke the perfume over Jesus' feet. That was lavish. That was extravagant. She got up close and personal to Jesus. And so often as we bring our devotion, as we bring our adoration, we corporately together come up close and personal to Jesus. He encounters us. We're keenly aware we want more moments like that. That we touch him. We feel like we've touched heaven. And that happens as we adore him. As we devote ourselves to him. And again, it's often in that place that significant decisions are made. About our lives, our will, our finances, our relationships, our ambitions. We think, no, I don't need that. Jesus, it's you. I'll tell you, many amount of money has metaphorically moved from our bank account to somebody else's through times of adoration and devotion. Because you're suddenly realizing, no, it's our whole. Jesus, I know you're telling us to give that money away. Places of worship and devotion, of adoration, are costly. They're dangerous places to be in. But that's what we want to be about, isn't it, friends? Knowing Jesus, costly Precious, priceless is his blood. Friends, a community of the Spirit is a worshipping community. Worship is utterly fundamental to who we are. We come together in spirit and truth to elevate God and to encounter him. It's in the place of worship that so often truth is stirred in us and it's applied to our life. It's where breakthrough happened. It's where our hearts are recalibrated. And as we elevate in praise and thanksgiving, in singing of the freedom won for us, in declaring faith together, as we encounter him and his comfort and strength is brought to us, courage is stirred within us. Our devotion, our adoration is poured out on him. That's elevation and encounter, and that's what we want to experience every single week.
You know, there's a lot of research on the benefits of singing corporately, how it does good for your soul. But friends, if you just want that, there's plenty of great choirs to join in the town of Bar- in Reading and the town of Berkshire, if that's what you want. But actually, a community of the Spirit who worship, we're looking to elevate and encounter Jesus every single time we gather together. And so I come into land, and perhaps the band could come up. I want to encourage you. Guys, don't miss out. Come with open hearts. Be here on time. Our time is so short to enjoy God together. But we want to be a people who every time we come, elevate and encounter the King of Kings. He is so worthy of our praise, and he is so willing to meet us. So can I just pray for us as the team can perhaps start to play? Holy Spirit, I so recognize I am literally just talking about what you do every single week amongst us at the moment. We're just so, so grateful for your presence. We thank you that there's always new things to discover about the Father and the Son, that you never tire of speaking to us. And what a privilege, we just say again, what a privilege it is to be your people. Like Kat said earlier, that you would willingly lay down your life for your subjects. We come as people who want to elevate you for that and just declare there is none like you in all the earth. Spirit, thank you that you stir our hearts to elevate Jesus, the truth, to sing of the truth of what you've done. And Holy Spirit, we say again, oh, we so want to encounter you. We want to know your power in greater measure. We want to know your glory with greater clarity. We want to know your love with increased depth. We want to see your sovereign hand with greater confidence. Oh, would you encounter us? Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for your kindness and love. Jesus, we want to be a community who lavish upon you our love and devotion just as the woman did at your feet pour in that perfume we want to say receive our adoration Jesus receive our devotion Jesus we want to be those who say you give and take away but our hearts will choose to say blessed be your name it is well with our souls our God saves You split the sea and took us right through the middle. You have brought a new, given us a new song, a hymn of praise to our God. Be magnified amongst us, we pray, King Jesus, as we acknowledge your work in us, a community of the Spirit. May we be a worshipful community, we pray in Jesus' name. And one final thing. If you would say you're not part of God's people, and so this is all like brand new, what do God's people do? I know you sing, but you expect to meet Jesus. I just want to invite you, whoever you've come with today, 
Why don't you talk to them? What has she been talking about? And perhaps you'd like to come to know Jesus and you too can be part of God's community because he wants to meet you.